3: Hey, everybody, welcome. It's so great to be connecting with all of you today. We've got another amazing lineup for you. Uh, A couple of topics that are really near and dear to me and to my heart. You know, many of you have heard me talk about my corporate career. You've heard me talk about, you know, what actually happened in the workplace. And for those of you out there, you're thinking, well, wait a minute. You know, things that are happening in the workplace are really new. You know, they don't go back decades ago. Let me tell you that they do. Um many of you have heard me talk about what it was like being the head of HR in, you know, a Fortune 50 company at the time and, you know, having to implement a downsizing program, the first in the nation, actually it was the second in the nation, really, and what that was like, but what happened as a result of the change or the repeal of the psychological contract in the workplace what are some of the ripple effects that we're now starting to see today? What is it about human dynamics and the interaction we have that has opened up the door for bullying in the workplace? Well, you know, that's why why my very special guest is here today to help us with a conversation that is not just so relevant to the world we live in today, but it's also one that is one of the most invisible, deadly secrets we have about workplace dynamics and the literally the end of creativity if we do not get a handle on this. Andrew Foss joining me here today, is a management advisor and author of The Bullies Trap. Yeah, that's what it's called bullying in the workplace, you know, his expertise in helping organization create psychologically safe and productive workplaces in the forefront, you know, but you know, somebody that a former senior executive with Canada's two largest retailers and now heads the FOSS, uh, the FOSS foundation, which looks like we can get some insight on how economic issues, how health in the workplace, education, Right. How medical, all of the above. So how is it, how is it that we can now look at this topic that has far reaching cries than we ever thought before? But what about Andrew himself? Has he witnessed this? Has he been a bystander? Does he understand the dynamics of it? And how is it that we get to talk with him about a culture That, well, let's say not probably, but perhaps is being created where bullying now becomes a culture norm. I don't know, but we're going to find out. Andrew, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here.
1: Thanks very much, Pat.
3: You know, a a couple of things I said, and I'd love for you to comment on them. Um, I go back to 1990, 1991. um, Uh, where that my first experience in the workplace came in many, many different ways. You know, when we say the word bully, right, we have this idea of it. So I think it's important for us to talk about bullying to begin with. You know, I grew up in New York, right? And so there's this idea of what a bully is and what it isn't. And usually when you say the word bully to somebody like me, it usually represents some kind of physical thing, right? But bully has taken on a whole new face in our culture, hasn't it? Tell us a little bit about what you discover and how you're talking about uh, what a bully is.
1: Uh, You're you're absolutely right. People do associate uh, bullying more with the talk about now, why those,
3: you know because one of the things Andrew and I think that you know you say this really good in your book is that if you go back in time organizations were not necessarily interested in psychological effect so to speak i mean you you and i know as, ex- as executives it's taken years or it took years to get an employee assisted program just in the corporate arena and how dare you even mention oh the word stress right but now we have kind of taken this to a different level and you know how have you found organizations willingness to even have a conversation with you about this what has your journey been
1: like well it's been a very very tough sell uh, <laughs> there's no question and I, and i get i get a lot of pushback uh, from from primarily executives who claim like findings and uh, assertions and recommendations, uh, extreme examples, and it certainly does not apply in their arenas, and that they have all of the human resource gobbledygook uh, uh, available to them, uh, like policies, procedures, zero-tolerance policies, and the list goes on. But um, uh, my assertion is that very few uh, executives understand it, and, and worse yet, uh, if they don't understand it, they certainly don't understand the impact uh, negative impact that it has on the organization, the individual, the individual's family, and the community, because it is a huge. Uh, drain on uh, on on people, and it's a huge drain on companies' uh, uh, financial results, and it's a huge drain on the overall economy.
3: Yeah. I mean, you know, the reason I'm asking you that question is because, you know, for many of us that have been sort of in the forefront of having conversations in whatever ways we could, right? I mean, I went on to study the consequences of broken promises for eight years as a result of that experience because it wasn't obvious to me or to anybody else that what you're talking about in the bullies trap that, you know, this thing could really go on. You know, this could really happen. This could be, you know, something that was going to continue. I certainly didn't predict it. But as I went on to look at this, as you have, it became clearer and clearer to me that corporate culture is changing. You talk about culture. How do you think, how do you think our culture, if we could categorize it, how do you think our corporate culture is changing? And then what is the role of a subculture in, in the organization? Because the reason I'm asking you this question, Andrew, is, is twofold. One, somebody said to me a, a lot of years ago, they said, you know, Pat, an organization is going to follow the lead from its management. And it's really tough for people in management to buy into this idea of bullying and still say, yeah, I'm the leader. Are you finding that?
1: Absolutely. And a uh, case in point was yeah. uh, the expose that uh, was done on Amazon <laughs> at the end of last year. I mean, just a very scathing, scathing um, expose on their culture and the impact that it had on, has on employees there. Where today the average tenure is less than a year. But the, and and if only 25% of what they exposed is true, uh, they have a huge problem. And in my view, long term, they cannot survive that.
4: Right.
1: But the interesting thing about it was Jeff Bezos, the CEO's comment afterwards that's not, and his quote was, that's not the Amazon I know. So yeah. he's either uh, doesn't realize what's going on in his business, uh, or uh, he's deflecting uh, a huge problem. Even worse yet, a few weeks after the expose, and when they should have been trying to do some damage control, they they he went on a witch hunt to try to find out who <sighs> went to the New York Times and talked about Amazon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and so, so the whole attitude of organizational leaders around this is essential because culture cannot change at the bottom. It can be influenced by the bottom, but it cannot change without the absolute buy-in and leadership of leadership to uh, to make a change that will uh, will shift. Uh, uh, cultures uh, to being emotionally and psychologically safe.
3: Yeah, yeah. You and I, and, and this is why I love what you're writing about, because many people, you know, would warn us, right? I mean, I was warned clearly <laughs> clearly from my research, which which actually got published. I am shocked by how many times that research is now cited. You know, as a matter of fact, someone Googled me the other day for the radio show and up came my research on this. And they said, oh, my gosh, we had no idea that you're that you study broken promises. I said, well, gosh, I had no idea I did either. But here's the conversation you and I are, are having. Yeah, there may be something altruistic about what you and I are saying, Andrew, and especially what you're saying in your book. But there's also something that organizations absolutely must realize if they're going to compete globally. And I think that's what you're addressing, too. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, you know, we're going to talk with Andrew, the bullies trap. You know, how do you define bullying in your workplace? And, you know, here we are. We sit in the back door uh, at the back doors of an Amazon here in Seattle. And as a matter of fact, I believe Andrew is also coming to Seattle as well. But how big, how big is this issue? When we come back, we're going to take a journey with Andrew down the pathway of how big is the issue, how does it show up, what are some of the behaviors, and do you even know, do you even know that you're being bullied? Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
4: why don't you come to your senses you've been outright
0: the preceding audio was via a Skype call
2: The life you're dreaming of is waiting for you to say yes. Together we can create a powerful, love-centered world where business is not a competition but a community of highly conscious individuals making a positive impact in their own lives and the lives of others. Fun, flexible, fabulous. You make the rules. We offer the tools. Connect with Shelly today to learn more at Live, Love, Earn with Shelly. That's S-H-E-L-L-E-Y dot
0: The 24th annual WOW Conference, United We Change the World, is February 11th through the 15th. Featured guests are Dr. Christine Page on Creative Dragon Energy, Dr. Susan Shumsky will show you how to awaken your third eye, and Mira Kelly will present a two-day intensive workshop on Beyond Past Lives. Join WOW for intimate, experiential, life-changing workshops and evening presentations that will inspire you. You can choose two half-day workshops and receive one half-day workshop for free through December 31st. Join a supportive community of women on their journey to discover and develop their passions and purpose in life. Women of Wisdom is the place to be. This February 11th through the 15th. Go to thewowconference.org, that's the w-o-w-conference.org, to discover all the diverse offerings WOW has to offer you. How would you like
1: increased health and vitality? How would you like to avoid the onset of disease as well as slow the aging process? This is all possible through a simple, safe, and natural
2: process. The following audio is via a Skype call.
4: These things that are pleasing you can I? hurt you somehow.
3: Don't you draw the queen of diamonds, boy. She'll beat you if she's able to- Wow. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Um, uh, Andrew's going to give us some information in a minute. Bullying in the workplace. Yeah, that's the bullies trap, the name of the book. And, you know, it may or may not be what you think, but what is it that Andrew, what, how did he discover? Is this something that he just decided to sit down and write about? No. Case study after case study after case study. And he and I were just talking uh, during the break. You know, you go out there and you write about these things and people think, um you know, people think, well, wait a minute, you know, where did you get that from? You know, what idea did you have about that? How did you go about that? You know, did you do any research? Who did you talk with? Now, here's what I want to say. You didn't and you don't have to look far about at what he and I are talking about. You know, today it is all about the bully's trap. What is it? And is this a big issue before we go ahead And we talk about this and we talk about the quote that you have in the book, which says the workplace is the most dangerous place to be in America. Before we touch, even touch upon that, what's the best way for folks to find out more about you, Andrew?
1: Through my website, www.andrewfoss.com.
3: Great. Great. Now.
1: And I have a blog, and uh, and that also connects to Twitter and LinkedIn and uh, and uh, Facebook.
3: Okay, here's the question I want to ask you: Is this a big issue? That quote you put in the front of the book—that is a scary thing you just said there. Maybe you didn't say it, but well, you know what I mean.
1: Well, it, it is, in my view, it's the biggest societal and economic issue of our generation. Mm and what uh, the the question is is what do we know? Well, we know that according according to Gallup polling, uh that for at least ten years employee uh engagement has been at an all time low of thirty percent, so that translates into seventy percent of American workers are not engaged
4: right.
1: The other, the other startling statistic is that there are over 120,000 deaths per annum that can be attributed to uh, workplace stress. And when you identify you know, what is unnecessary stress, uh, words like harassment, abuse, threats, uh, coercion uh, come, come forward and uh, it is uh, so if you just take a look at those two statistics it would suggest that it's a huge huge issue and it's hard to capture in terms of uh, what percentage of employees are being bullied and the reason it's hard to capture it's like suicide uh which is one of the one of the major uh outcomes unnecessary outcomes of bullying it often goes unrecorded, mm-hmm. and and people uh, either accept, well, that's just the way it is, or they're afraid to bring it forward for fear of retaliation or being considered weak, or they are just uh, uh, oblivious to the fact that it's bullying they're going through versus other uh, stresses.
3: Yeah. And, you you know, and let's talk about something, uh, 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 you know, very interesting about it. How about we bring up the idea of fear? The idea of fear. Isn't fear the number one reason why people don't come to the forefront? I don't know about you, but my working career started decades ago when the corporate environment and corporate cultures were one of. If I even looked at you sideways about something that seemed even closely related to a, what we're talking about as bullying today, I would go to an HR organization and OMG, oh, there'd be something that would be said about it and I wouldn't have to be afraid. I mean, fast forward to where we are today, some of the changes we made you know, in the 70s and 80s to provide a level of safe and equality in the workplace, I don't believe, Andrew, could ever be made today. I don't think it could ever be made today because of the lack of security people feel by what they can say and not say. How does that show up in the bullying arena?
1: Well, it clearly is. uh, 70% of bullying is boss subordinate and and uh, and the bulk of it it relates to power and control and abuse of power and control mm-hmm. and the threat to their power and control so it it, 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 it plays uh, it plays very heavily and uh and and the biggest fear is losing livelihood
3: yeah exactly and
1: and it's it, it's safer it uh, easier to just keep your head down and pretend it is not occurring, but by doing that, it does not make uh, the issue go away. And uh, and um, I, I I would argue uh, that people can make help make the issue go away. And. What it does, though, is requires the bystander uh, to become witnesses, defenders, and resistors,
4: mm-hmm.
1: and and that is bottom bottom uh, up. Uh, but it can be a very powerful, powerful uh, method uh, by which to uh, convince the people at the top and by the top i mean the boards of directors that they uh, that uh, that they should be paying attention to it yeah. the mood is the mood is changing so dramatically and we witness we're witnessing that today in 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 in, in the political uh, arena yeah where where uh, the traditional politicians do not understand how the electric feels. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and based on my research and uh, stuff that is covered in the media every day, it is so glaring. Yeah. And I, I use that as an analogy to the workplace. If, if, if the employers understood how their employees feel why they feel the way they do, to what extent they are working to The contract is so stuck because it, it's apparent that they do not want to give up their autocratic structure. Mm-hmm. And again, it's about power and control.
3: Yeah, and you know what? We actually have uh, someone waiting, calling into to the show. Let's uh, let, Benny. Can we go to the phone? I I, I want to hear from one of our listeners that's listening in. Just. Just in case, maybe it's just me and Andrew kind of that have been affected by this a little bit.
2: Will do. Christine from Seattle, welcome to the show. Do you have a question?
3: Christine from Seattle, welcome to the show. Uh,
5: Pat, my favorite Uh, female talk show host other than myself. Pat, Pat, I love you, and thank you for having such a great show again. Um, I just wanted to make a comment. I love the subject today. I wanted to say something about bullying. And, um, of course, we all know that there's no self-actualized, self-loving bully out there. So we have a lot of work to do, uh, to kind of help people get to that place where they are self-loving. Um, and that includes corporations and small businesses and all kinds of stuff. But having worked in the money arena for, for many, many years, um, I, you know, I have something to say about financial bullying, which also, uh, I think adds to the stress of an employee. Um, and creates a way for that subjugation rather than uh, being of service in their job, feeling as if they're subservient to that degree of slavery, um, I think that that happens a lot. And I think yeah. what can hap- what, what I mean, this is what I've experienced. I remember working for a major hospital and having this fantastic health insurance, fantastic, supposed fantastic life insurance thinking I was covered. And once I, once I started to examine what was going on with my benefits, I found out that I had to die on the job doing something job-related only in my regularly scheduled job arena in order for my family to be covered. If you can imagine how much stress that added to me when I figured out that I'd been going on along, thinking that I had um, a great retirement, which wasn't so great, and, um, you know, my family would be covered, and I didn't bother to look anywhere else. And that uh, that just added so much stress. And I think that, that the people that kind of put that together, don't get me wrong, I think it's icing on the cake, and you should always be building your cake. Um, It's great when you get a freebie, but it's not a freebie. It's part of what you get paid for. It's part of your pay. And so I think it's really important for employees that are going out into the workforce, particularly new graduates and things like that, um, to be aware that they have to think like a business owner in order to even be an employee anymore, to protect themselves. And they really have to look out for how these sideways things can really affect them. Maybe, you know, if you're 25, it's not such a big deal or you don't think it is. But once you get to be 35, 45, and you don't have these things that you thought you had, that will add to your sort of the, another link to your chain of slavery. Yeah and then you're really at somebody's mercy. So yeah. I just think in order to empower ourselves, we need to really be looking at these financial aspects of it as well.
3: Yeah, yeah. So here's what I love about what you said, Christine, and and honestly, uh, you should go ahead and get Andrew on your show as well because, Andrew, this is real, and Christine, don't hang up, okay? Stay on the, stay on the call. We're going to skip the break. Um, this is such an important conversation, Christine, that he and I were talking about, you know, What have we discovered? So people think we come on these talk radio shows. He's written a fabulous book, by the way, uh, absolutely fabulous book, Christine, that I'm going to get you a copy of it. So make sure we have your information. But here's the deal. You know, this is not fiction anymore. You know, this is not the Tom Cruise movie, The Firm. Okay, that this is not it. This is the reality of what you just said, Christine, that gives a sets a precedence. So if you can imagine back in the late 80s and early 90s, the first two mega corporate downsizing initiatives that happened where the waters were tested, right? Exxon first, and I think the Bell system was second. The waters were tested and the test was this. Can we get away with firing a woman with 29 years, 11 months of service? Oh, and it doesn't matter she's from an underrepresented, let's just say it the way it was then, a minority group. Can we get away with that? And you know what the answer was in 1992? Yes, we can. Once you open that door, right? What happens next, Andrew? How does what Christine said relate to what you've written in your book? Well, it's
1: it's dead on, and and it's. It's small wonder that uh, the level of respect for businesses is at uh, at uh, at where it's at, and there is no trust, or very there is very little trust, and it's because of it may not be just one thing, but a combination of things that that cause cause that, and and what Christine was describing was. Uh, 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 a breach of of, of trust. Uh, it was betrayal. It was deceit. And uh, yes, you know the term of financial bullying. I yeah. I haven't uh, haven't um, uh, uh, discussed that uh, much, but it's, it's Okay, a great Andrew,
3: term. your next book. Your next <laughs> book, financial right? Financial bullying. <laughs> and,
5: and I think that financial <laughs> bullying. When we talk about the political arena. Financial bullying leads to financial terrorism, and uh, and I and I think that 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 to take you know to really reconnect with our power about uh, being employed or being self-employed, we really have to be able to ask those questions and be very clear about what we're going to take and what we're not going to take. And oh, you can't give me a clear answer about that. Call me when you can, because mm. uh, to just sort of sign up for something now blindly, like Pat, you were saying. Back in the '90s, you know, um, yeah, you could, they, that's kind of when things started. When people were not aware that they had to look out for their own retirement. The, the, the wages have been frozen in the year 2000. Let me tell you something: in the '60s, the average income for a four four member family was six thousand dollars. One person making money, and then it was in the '70s. It was it was ten thousand dollars. The '20s or the '80s, it was twenty thousand or twenty five thousand, and the '90s, it got up to forty thousand. Right now, the incomes should be at $200,000. Who do you know that's a middle-class family with one get income that makes $200,000? Yeah. So we really have to start looking at how we're caring for ourselves in this arena while we are changing the arena of bullying. And I well, so appreciate your you, book, Here's Andrew. what
3: Andrew says. Here's what I, Andrew, and this is, let's talk about this because I love this. You're, we're all going to love this part. In his book, <laughs>
5: brilliant
3: chapter for those of you out there you if you do not have a copy of this book i am telling you i have never seen something as devastating as bullying anywhere broken down into such brilliant conversation and christine Mm -hmm. did you hear that andrew is going to be a town hall in seattle Uh,
0: so you and i we need to make sure we get
3: there what night is that Uh, we're going to tell you in a minute but here's the here it is you ready for the chapter Mm -hmm. andrew here it is Costs, liabilities, and deadly consequences. So mm. here. Here's the quote that opens up the chapter. Workplace bullying in any form is bad for business. Yes it is. It destroys teamwork, commitment, and morale. Tony Morgan, Chief Executive of the Industrial Society. Andrew, you wrote this chapter. It's brilliantly written. But give us give us the the give us the stuff that is not necessarily written here. What is the serious impact in all of this for people? And what can, if anything, what can we do about it, Andrew?
1: Well, uh, let me answer that that first. What, what yes. can we do about it? Yes, um, please. Is, uh, Oscar, Oscar Wilde so aptly put it it's the <laughs> prisons that need the reformation, not the prisoners. Uh, so I have not spent a lot of time uh, or dedicated uh, uh, very much time to rehabilitating the bullies. It's the organizations that need the transformation. And unfortunately, the thing that motivates the, an organization to make that transformation usually is a catastrophic, catastrophic event. So I use General Motors as an example of, of of an organization and a CEO, a woman CEO, who recognizes that and is doing it, and it's working, as opposed to Volkswagen, who uh, who are not. So there's there's no question that um, that uh, uh, the issue is has a huge impact. Mm -hmm. on today's society. Mm
4: -hmm.
1: More importantly, it has an issue and I haven't, this is one area that I have not covered in any great detail, but I am covering it in the third edition, which will be out later this year, and that's the continuum of bullying. So picture the activist shareholder bullying a board of directors, which we read about all the time. The board of directors then, in turn, bullies the CEO, the CEO then, in, uh, in turn, bullies their direct report, the vice president. The vice presidents bully the managers, and the managers bully the employees. But it doesn't end there, because most of these people turn into bullied bullies as a method by which to survive in an environment. At home, and many become bullies at home, and the impact that that has on children is very akin to what happens to children of veterans who mm-hmm. develop post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm-hmm. The scars are permanent, and the social and in- and economic impacts are of that are are. Extensive because the majority of people who suffer from bullying at work suffer from post traumatic stress disorder. It's around 80%. So the, the cost and consequences go well beyond the way I've described it in my book.
3: Yeah. Wow. You know, here's the thing that um, many people don't know about. And they don't really know about some of the stories in here. And I wanted to talk a little bit with you because there's so much in your book that's really pretty pretty amazing. Um, And Christine, I want to thank you for calling in today. Thank you so much for... Um, you know, commenting and calling in. And we'll make sure you get lots of information about the February uh, 24th uh, town hall in Seattle. And, Andrew, would you mind telling us a little bit about that town town hall, what you're going to be doing?
1: Well, uh, I'm going to be basically uh, raising the level of awareness. So uh, when I first started uh, dealing with the topic, uh, I, I really didn't intend to write a book. I don't consider myself an author. It's one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. But (laughs) I I think you can relate. But it was to get the debate and discussion going on a topic that has been under the radar. And so the town hall meetings and meeting and interviews like this help open that discussion and debate. And I don't pretend to have all of the answers, but there are people that, if I don't have the answer to it, uh, there are people out there who have had experiences and can provide answers. You know, and I want to ask
3: you a question when we come back from yes, the ahead. break.
1: Yeah.
3: I'm sorry. I want to ask you a question when we come back from the break and have you talk about this more and how people can attend this. But one of the things that, you know, for us to think about, what are some of the more subtle things that happen in the workplace and let me just put an example out there if I could and and we're going to go to a short break and everybody can think about this you know how does everybody feel about being in the workplace or being in a business conversation how do you guys feel about having one of the parties recording a call and you not knowing it even after you've notified them that it is a private conversation. But how do you feel about that? Something that is now legal, by the way, in all but 11 states. Now, I want to tell you, in Washington State, if you're thinking about doing that, think again. We're not one of them. But is that a form of bullying, this idea that your call, a business call, an employee boss call can be recorded, without you knowing about it, or even without your, your permission. When we come back, we're going to talk about the subtle aspects of bullying that have deadly effects, what you can do about it, showing up at town hall is another way to go about it, that and much more. We'll be right back.
2: audio was via a Skype call.
0: What if your body and mind were the compasses to the secrets, mysteries, and magic of life? Glenna Rice, co-host of The Questionable Parent, is inviting you to access all that is possible. Glenna is a 10-year certified veteran access consciousness facilitator who offers an amazing variety of life-changing classes and workshops. Work with Glenna from anywhere, with teleclasses and workshops all over the globe. To learn more and see Glenna's current schedule of events, classes, and workshops, visit GlennaRice.com. Awaken
2: to your radiant authentic self. For over 15 years, soul purpose advocate Nancy Monson has been focused on leading change in the lives of those looking to live their true purpose. She is devoted to supporting people in living a soul-directed life every day. Let Nancy help you overcome fear, worry, and doubt. Visit everydayspirituality.com to learn how Nancy can be your soul purpose advocate. What are vibes? We often use this word, but did you know vibes can actually be useful and help solve
5: our everyday challenges? Embark on an exciting learning journey with Caitlin Keat, 11-time Visionary Award winner, specialist in vibrational energy, and the creator of Vibes Up. Join Caitlin as she takes you through the world of vibrational therapy and energy healing with natural solutions for a modern world.
2: Visit VibesUp.com to learn more today. What if we really didn't have to die to go to heaven? Are you curious about the afterlife or rebirth? The highly anticipated new book from author Dr. Susan Allison, You Don't Have to Die to Go to Heaven, is available now. Find out how to find guidance and healing in the spirit realms. Order the book today and put it on your must-read list for 2016. Visit DrSusanAllison.com to learn more in retirement will you outlive your money it's a common question for people approaching retirement but it doesn't need to weigh on you Ask Ameriprise Financial Advisor Jeff Pakman about the new Confident Retirement Approach. You and Jeff can break down retirement planning step-by-step to get the real answers you need. Call Jeff Pakman, Financial Advisor, today at 425-453-0272. Office is located at 601-108th Avenue Northeast, Suite 1800, Bellevue, Washington, 98004. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment Advisory Products and services are made available through ameriprize financial services inc a registered investment advisor ameriprize financial services inc member of finra and sipc
1: almost everyone at some time in their lives ask themselves what am i most of our questions are ego generated and simply don't address the problem of our false self it's time to relax your ego and embody your soul Dr. Dan Cohen, neurologist, inventor, and author, has created Tools to Awaken, a new way to transform from who you thought you were into what you truly are. Visit toolstoawaken.com
2: today. The following audio is via a Skype call.
3: Everybody, welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. And, you know, Andrew, Andrew, Andrew Foss joining me here today. Andrew, I love this. First, before we get into the whole recording conversation, good news, bad news, so to speak. um, Again, please mention the website, the best way for folks to find out more about you. Sure.
1: It's uh, www.andrewfoss.com. And uh, that will link you to my Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn accounts as well.
3: Awesome. Okay, good news, bad news. Uh, Do you consider uh, recording someone's call uh, without their permission uh, bullying? And, you you know, meaning that if you do it once or twice, uh, that's one thing. But if we start to use it, as a form of what's the word I want to use? Holding people hostage. Monitoring. Where do we draw the line? Honor,
1: yeah. Uh, no, I, I think it's 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 a uh, very degrading method in by which to uh, keep tabs on an employee's uh, output performance, mm-hmm. and it also is an indicator that uh, that. Uh, uh, performance is measured more by time that is put in or uh, or activity versus the quality of the output but it's good news bad news story uh, yes. because because bullying uh, uh, someone being bullied or someone targeted and who is going through uh, the abuse uh, has a right to monitor and record those conversations, because they are a party to the uh, situation, and it only requires one party's consent. They are a party, and they and there is no better pr- proof, quite frankly, than if abuse and or harassment is taking place and to have it recorded.
5: Let-
3: This is something that people don't even think about, though, for a minute. And, you know, especially let's go now fast forward to now we have a culture of this. I I don't think and maybe you are talking about this, Andrew. Maybe you are talking about, oh, maybe we have a manager over here or a person over here, a team member over here, because sometimes you and I can have this conversation and folks might think well, wait a minute, it's only the boss is doing it kind of to the employees, right? But, you know, boss bullying, right? But I don't know that that's what you've discovered. Can you talk about some of the stories and case studies you have? Um, uh, because you have some brilliant stories in this book that really shine a light on this. And uh, and so what is the pattern? Is it boss to employee mostly? What have you discovered?
1: Well, it's seventy percent of employee. In terms of case study, the first one in the book, I think it's in the prelude. that talks about Barrett's story, and it also answers the question: uh, Why did you label the book "The Bully's Trap"? Uh, nine, uh, forget the percent percentage, but it's very high percentage of employees don't realize that they're being bullied under, until they're well into the situation. Uh, bullies are masters of deflection, manipulation, and and uh, a number of things. But what their intent is, is to turn the victim into the villain. And this mm-hmm. is what happened in Vera's case. This is what happens in so many cases. Uh, Vera was uh, harassed and, until her attitude and performance went south. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it's understandable, given what you will read in the story, uh, why her attitude and performance shifted. She went from being a very solid employee over 10 years with a very solid record to a poor employee with a bad attitude. And that Mm -hmm. is exactly what the bully wanted, and it gave him ammunition To deal with her Mm
4: -hmm.
1: and so many people unfortunately fall into that trap and when I mentioned earlier that bullying in the workplace is very subtle and it is very complex and and people should if they feel that there's something wrong that there's something out of step in their work environment people are not talking to them they're not invited to meetings that they should attend uh, information is being withheld. They hear bits and pieces of of, of of gossip that discredits them. And, it, and and bullying is not a single event. It's a combination of events over a period of time. And my advice to people is to is to pay attention to what their gut tells them and tie seemingly unrelated comments, events, and situations. And add them together; they usually add up to something. That's what yeah. instinct is. And if if you if you feel that there's something amiss, look at that.
4: Mm. And
1: then my second piece of advice is don't try to deal with it alone. Mm-hmm. So go to someone, ideally someone in the organization. But the person you go to, you have to have absolute trust in. And you mentioned HR a few minutes ago. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, human resources in 80% of the cases where where bullying takes place is part of the problem versus part of the solution. And they should be part of the solution because I firmly believe that they can influence, they should influence more than any other group, the cultural change. By being the custodians and protector of an organization's integrity. The same way a CFO is responsible for the integrity of the numbers, human resources are responsible for the integrity of the culture. And so many are either ill-equipped to do it, do not have the courage to do it, or do not have the intellectual wherewithal to do it. In either of those three situations, they are the wrong person for the job.
3: Yeah, this is a really multifaceted, uh, really a multi multi, multifaceted problem, and you know it's hard to move that problem to another level if we don't even recognize it. You know, what do you what would you say, Andrew? Thank you for today. What would you say our greatest hope is about this? Because your book talks about everything including Mark's story of No Way Out, where you're talking about Mark's suicide. Um, And yes, it does lead to that. It can lead to that. So what's your greatest hope for people, and how can folks support you?
1: Well, my greatest hope is that that, uh, there is a huge shift in attitude on the part of leadership. And that is to want to understand how employees feel about work, about their boss, and why they feel the way they do. With that information, it would yield the answers to what needs to be done uh, on an overall basis in the working world and by organization or by division. And the the thing that has amazed me in, in all of the research that I have done is is when I ask the question of executives, how do you think your employees feel about you and their job? Mm. And then when I ask them, how do you want them to feel? Uh, the There's not a huge gap. But when I go into organizations and I ask employees, how do you feel? And then I go to their managers and ask them, how do you feel... Your, how do you think your employees feel there's a huge gap yeah and that gap just needs to be narrowed
4: mm-hmm.
1: and what it requires though is when asked employees should feel safe to be able to answer in an open honest and direct manner yeah and 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 that is my hope and we've got um, uh, some very encouraging stories out there. Uh, Kruppweissen, uh, the GM, um, are, I think, two great examples. Another great example is what, the Pope, is what Pope Francis is doing yeah. to, to, uh, to change the culture in the Church, because he recognizes that he is unable to convince people to follow the the, the church, as people yeah. to work within the church.
3: Yeah.
5: Wow.
1: And and, wow. and 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 the resistance that he's under is very real. Yes, it and is. And if, if you look at the at the popes or sorry, the cardinals and the archbishops, yep. the whole hierarchy, it's all about power and control, and what he's proposing is is eroding that power and control.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And certainly the abuse of that power and control. Mm-hmm. And and he's recognizing that, you know, it's not just words here. I have to structurally change yeah. this.
3: Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and let's end on this, be because it. there's so much you and I can talk about. And thank you for being able to come to, you know, come to Seattle. It's going to be the Great. way we show up in the world that leaves the difference. And that's what's happening, just as you have, Andrew. Thank you so much for today. Thank you for all that you're doing.
1: Well, thank you. And I'm um, forward to seeing you in Seattle.
3: All right, everybody. Short break. We'll be right back.
4: Yep. <music>